Hello, how are we doing? Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the NTT20 betting show, sponsored by Betfair. This podcast is for over-18s only. We talk about betting. Head to begamblerware.org to brush up on some of the dangers that come with gambling. Never bet more than you can afford to lose. Never chase your losses. Please gamble responsibly. I'm Ali Maxwell. He's George Ellick. We hope that your weekend this week might include a bit of viewing of a show called EFL 21 Under 21. We've banged on about it enough on the Monday pod, but George and I have an hour-long show on Sky Sports Football going out 6pm on Friday, the 4th of February. 21 players under 21, or 21 and under, I should say, (laughs) uh, at the start of this year in the EFL that we think have the brightest futures. George, it's an exciting weekend for multiple reasons. 21 under 21, you're on quest, and we're both looking to put together another strong betting week after a good selections last time out. Yeah, a couple of good weeks. Um, I said, I think two weeks ago, this is one of the funnest times to bet on the EFL because of the squad churn means that sometimes I don't think the change of um, strength of teams is necessarily factored into the price. And it feels like you're... Bolton pick uh, on last weekend and my Lincoln pick the weekend before was, you know, putting that theory to the absolute max and it paying off twice. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can do it again this time. Both in profit again for the second week in a row as well. You're Fulham lay. The, the lays don't seem that sexy, but laying Fulham at 1.34 and, uh, and, and getting that up as well, I think that deserves a lot of love too. It could have been even better, of course, because Fearla Jean... Hit the woodwork. So at, annoying. At four to one. And not only would that have been a four to one winner for you, but it might have nudged my next best Stoke City over the line at 15 to eight as well. I think given they scored about four seconds after he hit the post, I think that's a, <laughs> that's, a that's I think spinning it in a slightly different way. Was it in the same move? Yeah. He literally hit the post and it, then it fell to, I can't remember who was on the edge. He passed it to Brown, who smacked it in. I think I've been guilty of some bias there, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anyway, one of the best weeks of the season. We hope to go again uh, this week. It's not a full slate, sadly. We've got some FA Cup action. Um, We are eligible to make some FA Cup picks, but I think mostly we'll be focusing on a handful of games in the Championship and then quite a few in Leagues 1 and 2. George Ellick, what's your best bet of the EFL weekend? What's your nap? Sticking to what I know, sticking to what I did last weekend, because I still maintain that Sheffield Wednesday are being underrated by the market. I'm backing Wednesday to beat Burton Albion at seven to five. Sheffield Wednesday brushed Ipswich aside last Saturday in a way that even though it was only a one nil win, supported what I said about me thinking A, that Wednesday are aside on an upward trajectory and B, that Ipswich are a side that I, I just don't think are, are very good and, and aren't using their the talent of their players in an effective way at all. We'll get onto that again a bit later. But yeah, Wednesday won that game pretty simply. I spoke to uh, an Ipswich fan who was at the game who basically said it was kind of men against boys in terms of the physicality that Wednesday pose, the way they were kind of able to see the game out. And at 1-0, it was certainly the home side who looked more likely to get a second goal rather than Ipswich looking to get back into the game. Um, they then... Pretty unspectacularly, but pretty comfortably saw off Morecambe in midweek with a 2-0 home win. I think they are just generally operating at a pretty high level at the moment. Uh, And that goes against the narrative around Sheffield Wednesday for the majority of the season, where if Darren Moore had been sacked a couple of 
weeks, months ago. Uh, I don't think many Sheffield Wednesday fans would have been too concerned. But in my view, they're currently playing as probably, well, not probably, possibly the third best team in the division right now behind Wigan and Rotherham or possibly maybe even better than, than Wigan uh, with their performance levels so far. Um, I think certain players playing consistently now, you know, Wiedas, who, who missed the first couple of months of the season and understandably it took him time to get into it. I think he is proving himself now to be a cut above as we probably expect. Um, I think Mendes Lang's arrival into the team has been a massive positive as well. Um, they come up against the Burton side who themselves have been in okay form. I mean, it's been a an okay season for Burton. They're currently in 10th. The playoffs look too far away. I think any hopes that Burton fans had after Hasselbank's amazing last half of the season, last campaign, have probably been a little bit dampened. But we have to remember that given Burton's budget and where they are, coming 10th in League One is a, is a pretty good effort for them. Um, they went and beat a Lincoln, fan, a Lincoln team that I'm a big fan of uh, last time out with a late goal. Their home form is okay and their form generally is all right. But I just think given Wednesday's recent opponents, namely Oxford and Ipswich, and how how clear of them they were in terms of, of their performance level, um, if they match that performance again, albeit on the road at Burton, uh, I expect them to run out pretty cosy winners. It's, it's basically the same price as we backed them at home to Ipswich last time. I, I think Burton are a poorer side than Ipswich, or at least Ipswich have better players than Burton. Maybe as a side, they're kind of um, more more tightly matched. Um, but yeah, I think if, if, Sheffield, if Sheffield Wednesday continue the way they are, um, they should have by far and away the better chances to win the game. Um, and I think the the seven or five you're getting on them to, to win it represents value. Oh, I want to stance with somebody. Here we go. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Oh, I want to stance with somebody. Ian Everts Bolton. Nice. Here we go. I thought that might be the case. Five to four, 2.25 in decimal terms with the Betfair Sportsbook. They're going to Morecambe. Ian Everts Bolton have won four in a row to nil. They've raised their standards pretty significantly. I believe I said almost everything there is to say last week when napping them up at home to Sunderland at 5-2. They won 6-0. They won in midweek as well. They gave Kieran, Re- Kieran Lee a rest. Ian Everett said they just gave him a, a spa day, basically. Just get in that jacuzzi, Kieran. Uh, so he is back in contention here. Uh, honestly, you won't have seen a central midfield performance quite like it in League One, uh, what Kieran Lee put on the table at the Uni Bowl last Saturday. It means Everett's kind of spoilt for choice because rested him in midweek against Cambridge. Bakayoko came in to play up front with Charles and Afalayan moved back into the 10 slot in this 3-4-1-2 formation, which is working really well. Uh, both Afalayan and Bakayoko scored in midweek. Of course, Afalayan was excellent last week uh, against Sunderland as well. And Bakayoko came off the bench and was very lively, set up the own goal from Danny Bart. So, spoilt for choice, really, at the top end of the pitch because Charles is an automatic pick right now. And Kieran Lee is probably their best player. So, you'd think he comes straight back in here. Uh, I just think it's it's hard for me to imagine Bolton suddenly chucking in a performance that is, you know, completely the opposite of what we've seen in the last few weeks. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game from now on to the end of the season. But one of the reasons why I think they can win this one is to do with their opposition, Morecambe, who I don't think are going to sit back and, and try desperately to just, you know, uh, squash Bolton's They never threat. do. 
and try and nick a nil-nil. They're going to give this a go. Morecambe's strengths are in attacking, not in defending. So I think they will try and attack Bolton. I think they'll try and set Stockton and Ayunga and Arthur Nahua on their way, uh, particularly on the counter-attack. They're, they're a real threat. Um, they have a lot of attacking players who can beat a man, who can carry the ball, who can get shots off. Bolton will have to defend the counter-attacks really well here. But the back three... Uh, of Gethin Jones, Ricardo Santos and Declan, uh, not Declan John, sorry, George Johnston have uh, been playing really well and John and Fossey, I've mentioned as the wingbacks, um, seem to be thriving in those roles as well and they've got the sort of double pivot as Ian Everett mentioned, he, he thinks that's giving them some great protection at the moment. You know, MJ Williams is really the, the unsung hero uh, and Aaron Morley having slotted in very nicely as the, the deep-lying sprayer. So, um, Morecambe, for all their threats on the counter-attack, they really struggled to keep League One's better teams at bay. And clearly at the moment, I think Bolton fit that bill. Uh, Morecambe's record against bottom third teams, so that the eight teams at the bottom of the division, Shrewsbury in 17th and below, they've only conceded 14 in 11 games, uh, which is a bit more than one a game. That's fine. They've kept four clean sheets in that time. That's pretty good defensively uh, against the bottom teams. But against teams in 16th and above, the Shrimps have conceded 43 goals in 18 games. That's 2.39 per game. Only one clean sheet in 18 games against teams in 16th and above. That was against Sheffield Wednesday all the way back in August. So I'm expecting Bolton Wanderers to score goals against Morecambe this weekend. And I'm hopeful that Stockton or Ayunga uh, can have an off day as well and make sure that Bolton make it five wins in a row. As I said at the start of the year, when I introduced Year of the Stance, as a concept, the, these stances are rarely going to last more than a few weeks. It's not going to be the case that I'll be backing Bolton every week as my nap on the betting show because two things happen, I guess, George. You either you either win from it, uh, you're proven right, and then the prices kind of move in line with, with what you think and the value goes, uh, or you lose uh, and then you just get the hell out of Dodge. So uh, this could be me and Everett's last stance. Let's see how it goes. Bolton, my nap, 2.25, 5-4 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, next best. Down to League Two for me, Salford against Port Vale. Port Vale put in a very, very good performance in midweek when hosting league leaders, champions elect Forest Green. And there's a massive market move with Port Vale before that game, which is significant here. You know, we had Forest Green opening up at about 11 to 10 to win the game and going off about six to four. And that was kind of justified in the way the game went. Um, Port Vale were good value for their lead with a better team during the game and Forest Green whilst getting an equaliser um, could feel not fortunate but would have been very happy to get the point that they took back with them. Salford on the other hand have gone through some pretty patchy form recently. They scored very late on in the game at Carlisle to win that one 2-1. They were the better side. They deserved the win. There's no doubt about it. But there have been some poor results um, recently, You know, looking specifically at the, the 3-0 defeat uh, at home to Colchester. They seem under Gary Bowyer to quite often throw these kind of performances in. And for them to be 6-4 to favourites at home to a side in Port Vale, who the market seems to have as the second best side in the division behind Forest Green, seems very, very short. Uh, happy to take the the, the draw no bet here. Um, Port Vale have been through a sticky patch of form themselves, which might be why we're getting a better price. But certainly in terms of the quality they've got and where we expect them to operate for the rest of the season, you know, I still think they're a side who will will likely finish in the top three, let alone the top seven, even though their position in the table doesn't really reflect that at the moment. So, yeah, this is a case of of you know, whilst home advantage has. Salford pretty short. Um, I think the the outsider in this game is the team who are more likely to to win and are the better side. Um, so for that reason, taking out the draw, no bet. I think Salford are a um, yeah are the, are the value to to do well here, and I'm backing them at even money 
uh, draw no bets, Port Vale, the away side at Salford. Also dropping into League Two here. Uh, and before I get into my pick, George, if I gave you a choice right now between new shoes or a new saddle, what would you choose? Um, I, I don't often use my saddle, so shoes. Correct. Me too. Cobblers <laughs> over Saddlers this weekend, 13-8, to 2.63. This game is at Walsall. I'm picking Northampton to win, and the pick is mostly about the home side, Walsall. Uh, they've been a strange team to stay on top of, or to try and stay on top of this season. Um, pre-season excitement about some quite fun-looking recruitment, and, and obviously the unknown but impressive-seeming Matt Taylor. Uh, that was mostly extinguished after they only won two of their first 10 games. But then some green shoots... Uh, their second chunk of games, they only lost two in 13, albeit it was one of those runs with more draws than wins. So I think, you know, there wasn't huge excitement, but improvements. And then they've lost five games in a row. And the game before that <laughs> run, they relied on a stoppage time screamer from Connor Wilkinson against Newport to snatch a point. Not good stuff. And not even. And I always think, you know what? I bet you I can look at these five defeats and I'll end up feeling more positive about this team than five defeats seems. That's not the case, George. Against Stevenage, they were 2-0 down after eight minutes. And that, that was the end of that one. Against Mansfield, they were second best and lost 2-0. Against Exeter, they conceded two of the softest set-piece goals I think I've ever seen and just didn't offer much else in mitigation. Uh, against Bradford, they actually did play fairly well. They lost that one 2-1. Walsall missed some sitters and lost to a, a late penalty. That was certainly... Uh, probably the only game I'd say that they didn't deserve to lose the best performance of the lot, albeit against a Bradford side that I don't rate at all at the moment, as we saw last week, laying them successfully at home to Crawley Town. But worst of the lot, I think, last weekend, 10-man Bristol Rovers. Walsall didn't have a single shot in the first 45 minutes. And then with a man advantage for an hour, they lost the game late on and they could have had no real complaints about that. Um, they offered so little. They're, they're showing so little quality on both ends of the pitch, really. And they're not showing character, fight, desire, etc. That that can help them, you know, pick up some points even when not playing well. Um, I can't ignore the fact they've conceded the most set piece goals in the league, and specifically quite recently as well, they've looked even more vulnerable from those situations. And they come up against a cobbler side who love a set piece goal. They've scored the most set piece goals in League Two. The centre backs Horsfall and Guthrie will be licking their lips here. They've got 10 goals between them this season, the centre-backs for Northampton, uh, who were who were uncharacteristically poor in midweek. They lost um, at home to Barrow. John Brady, the manager, was, was very frustrated, as you can imagine. Uh, basically said it was completely out of character. And the more that we see Brady and Cobblers, George, I know you've been impressed since the beginning, and I'm, I'm certainly um, growing in admiration for him by the week. My feeling is that you can trust... Brady as a manager and this Cobblers team to bounce back from a poor performance, not to let one lead to another, but actually to come out strongly, come out fighting uh, and right the wrongs of midweek. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, they've been quite light up front for a few weeks now. A couple of lone recalls didn't help with that. But between Epia, who's on loan from Leicester, uh, Danny Rose, Idris Kanu, Bezla Bala, who signed and came off the bench in midweek, Pinnock, of course, and Hoskins as well. They should have enough to improve their open play threat in the next few weeks. And of course, you know, even if they don't, we know that there's something of a blueprint for a Northampton win this season. Clean sheet, set-piece goal, three times already this season. They've won an away game by a single goal with John Guthrie on the score sheet. Uh, he's 6-1 to one any time. He's not my goal scorer pick, but um, <laughs> even though 6-1 to one for a centre-back is about as short as you'll ever see, 
I kind of understand why. Uh, so I'm hoping that happens again. Northampton, my next best. They're 13 to 8, 2.63 to be a Walsall side this weekend in League Two. Don't forget the Betfair have no cash out suspensions or match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. No cash out suspensions at any time uh, on match odds bets for all EFL games. We're going to use the Betfair exchange now. George putting up lay bets. What's yours? I'm laying it switch at home to Gillingham um, at 1.42. Very stancy at the moment, aren't you? I mean, mm. I thought that was kind of going to be my thing. I feel like you've you've almost taken it as your own. It's like if you said... I've been doing it for five years, mate. It's like, so. if you, it's like if you said at the start of the year, pretty big deal this, Ali. I'm actually going to be a vegetarian this year. And then three weeks later, I'm a vegan. And I've just blown you out of the water. The way, the way I see it is I've been playing lingo for the last five years and then you suddenly invented Wordle and then you're claiming it as your own, as, as your own thing whereas actually I've been playing I've, I created it I've been playing it for five years and I'm still doing it now come on then Lord of the Stance what's what's going on with the tractor boys you're going to sell it to the New York Times fairly soon I think I um, it's just the same it's the same as what I said after the Wimbledon game it's the same as what I'm saying after the, the Sheffield Wednesday game um, it is easy to get blinded by Ipswich's you know the players they've got by the the club that they are, by the ambition, by the the manager maybe they've got, you know, the Kieran McKenna from Manchester United. But I'm not seeing anything in, in their performances to suggest that they are a, an effective footballing unit. Um, they are quite clearly the likely winners here. I always kind of want to caveat these lays by saying, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you that Ipswich aren't going to beat Gillingham uh, on Saturday but to be backing them at under 2-1 seems incredibly short you're basically banking in my view on Gillingham being very very poor or Ipswich turning it around um you know th- this is not an ideal time to play Gillingham they have got a new manager Neil Harris so I think we've all can agree um Gillingham appointing a manager who took a side out of this division and, and his last appointment was a pretty good championship appointment is a bit of a coup you know I'm not a massive Neil Harris fan but for Gillingham to bring him in seems like a massive step up on what they've had before and when you and I spoke about Steve Evans's departure it was are they going to be able to get anyone better than Evans well the answer is yes I think um whether or not he had anything to do with the 1-0 win in midweek over Crew, probably not Crew, after going behind to a penalty had plenty of chances and, and Gillingham managed to hold firm but they have got a couple of players to improve Connor Masterson is definitely someone who's come in who comes in and improves him defensively um but Dane Oliver is a striker who we know at this level can be a handful and the galvanizing effect of a of a home win we saw Neil Harris giving it the big one after the game um the the Gillingham traveling fans will go to this one with a very different mindset and a very different um view on their chances of winning it than they would have done a couple of weeks ago um, whether or not that's massively factored into the price, I don't think so. If this was Steve Lovell's Gillingham side going to Ipswich, I think it probably would have been would have been a similar price. So it just seems very very sure. I'm I'm, I'm just very anti um, Ipswich at the moment until I see more from McKenna's Ipswich to suggest that he has the tactical now to turn it into a good footballing side rather than just hoping that players with serious quality are able to impact games in the final third, um, which they just didn't do at Hillsborough at all. Um, yeah, they're a team that I'm basically looking to get against at every opportunity. Uh, I'm laying Southampton in the FA Cup at home to Coventry. Uh, worked for me last time, laying Burnley against the Championship side in, in Huddersfield in round three. I've laid them at 1.55 using the Betfair exchange and continuing with a, a stance-based diet here. Um, Saints, 
Saints are a, a, a club who got to the semi-final of the FA Cup last season. Uh, Hassan Hutal, I mean, they just don't have a hugely uh, large squad. So it's not really a case of them making tons of changes. They're the sort of team, uh, Premier League team, that, that take the cup competitions relatively seriously. That obviously works against us uh, to a certain extent. Um, but this is pretty simple here. Monday Pod listeners will know that when it comes to Coventry City at the moment, both of us feel quite strongly that their poor results do not reflect the level of their performance and that they have been playing a lot better in games and falling on the wrong side of a bit of luck, some poor judgment, poor decisions. Um, but we think that, that ultimately their performance level is good enough to uh, carry a threat and to well to improve on their performances, uh, to improve on their results rather in the next few weeks. So maybe starting here, you know, going away from the grit and grind of the championship uh, into the FA Cup, bit of a sort of free hit really away at a Premier League team. Uh, Southampton are pretty gung-ho in terms of committing men forwards when I've seen them this season, uh, which obviously means there's a chance that they overwhelm Coventry with attacking numbers. But as someone who's laying Saints, it makes me excited because I think Coventry on the break in particular with O'Hare, uh, with 10-goal Giok carrying a real threat in transition, that's an obvious way where Coventry could hurt Southampton here. Uh, Jokeresh, a bit of a handful. Maybe these Premier League centre-backs haven't done their research. They don't know what sort of threat he, he carries. Probably unlikely in this day and age, but uh, I've got high hopes for him. I, I know Borough fans thought he was sensational in their game the other day. Um, and yeah, I mean, Coventry are pretty comfortable in possession as well. You know, they, they, they've, they're they a very, very, you know, they're a very sort of multi-dimensional team. I think they can play a lot of different ways. So hopefully they won't be too rattled by Hassan Hurtle's press and hustle, as we call it. Uh, <laughs> so yes, it's a, it's a it's stance-based Coventry being much better than... Uh, their recent results suggest and I think they can avoid defeat at Southampton I've laid Saints at 1.55 obviously a Saints win in 90 minutes will lose me 0.55 points here from my one point lay stake but anything else and it's a point to me so if it goes to extra time that means a, a drawn game in 90 minutes my lay bet will be a success let's do goals angles yeah I'm doing Blackpool against Bristol City cool um, and I am going to back both teams to score at four to five. Um, Blackpool are a side that we probably don't associate with high-scoring games. Um, they are fairly, um, you know, resolute in their defensive work. They don't score loads of goals. But this is mainly about Bristol City, who I think are going to be a team to side with goals on. Now that Nigel Pearson is playing this new system and starting Vyman, Semenyo, and Martin up front, um, it makes them a much better attacking side. But similarly, it means that they are fairly porous at the back. Uh, I'd, I'd fancy them to score against Blackpool given the way they're going to set up. I think Semenyo is the latest championship agent of chaos where he is an absolute menace running in behind. He is very good at running onto balls over the top. He doesn't allow um, his presence on the lot of, of, you know, running off the last man um, means that he pens. Um, well, he basically means that Blackpool have to keep at least two men back at all times. Um, and both, sorry, both Martin and Vyman seem to thrive playing off him as well. Um, it's a, it's an interesting system the way they're playing now with almost Semenya playing as a middle with the two goal scorers playing either side of him, um, which I like and you know it's seeming to work well with all three of them getting in the goals recently. Uh, Blackpool are the five to four favourites to win this. I think that's probably fair. We're seeing Bristol City in recent weeks, even though they are scoring more goals, they are conceding goals as well. You know we saw them concede six against Fulham in that ridiculous Fulham run recently, but also two against Preston, two against. Um, Cardiff a 3-2 win as well, two against Luton. I think BTTS has copped in every game since Semenyo has been starting and they've been playing this this role too. Um, you have to go back. Um, yeah, I mean, their last 
wow, I mean, it's even better than I thought looking at it now. Their last eight games have been two all, three two, two one, three two, six two, three two, two one, two two. <laughs> um, so yeah, mic drop. Nice. Uh, I'm going goals in Birmingham against Sheffield United Friday night under the lights, live on Sky. We'll be on before with 21 under 21 at 6 p.m. on Sky Sports Football. We'll be on afterwards around 10.15 in our normal slot, um, sort of surveying the wreckage of the release of our list. Um, but it's two winning goals picks in a row, so obviously I'm going to stick with the singles, though. Uh, this one's odds, odds against over 2.5 goals at 2.15, to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And, well, I think the price is boosted a little by the perception that Birmingham are still kind of a stodgy, defensive, low-margin team, as they have been pretty much for as long as I can remember since, well, certainly over the last few years under various different managers. And I'm not sure that's really true right now under Lee Bowyer. And increasingly, I think he's he's trying to move away from that and trying to play a much more attacking style, bring more sort of attacking personality to their play. He's moved away from the three at the back system that he was playing in the first part of the season. He bought quite a lot of attacking players in January, uh, notably Onel Hernandez, Lyle Taylor, uh, a midfielder in Bakuna who's who's probably better going forwards than backwards. Um, Aloni and Taylor Richards, who's certainly the same there, uh, albeit he's out injured at the moment. And since the switch of formation, they've had four overs games, a 6-2 defeat against Fulham, uh, a 2-1 win against Barnsley, and then two two-all draws in, in all of those games. They've shown a bit more exciting uh, attacking intent and they do look more of a threat going forward. But the switch to a four uh, has seemingly made them a little softer. They don't look very secure at the back. Uh, Ryan Woods is, is kind of back as a nailed-on starter at the base of midfield. And again, I think that that signals Bowyer's intent. There was a period of time where Woods wasn't really playing. And the, the, the strong suggestion was that with Woods, is basically you play him if you want to dominate the ball and if you think you're going to have the ball and you want your build-up to be better from the back because they don't have ball-playing defenders. Um, but you know that with Woods at the base of your midfield... Uh, you're never going to be as protected, maybe, as you might be. Uh, and there was a period of time where he was out the team, probably because Boya was looking to prioritise solidity. But now he's back in the team. So Boya, again, looking to to prioritise ball playing over kind of grit at the moment. Um, it's not yet leading to better results, but it's made them much more open and a bit more fun. Nine, nine of their 14 home games this season have gone over 2.5, uh, Birmingham. Uh, and Sheffield United's away games, they average 2.6 goals per game. So... They're clearly happy to attack teams in the bottom half away from home. Uh, they've scored two or more in four of their seven games against teams in the bottom third of the table, the bottom eight. Uh, and I just think, you know, uh, a slightly looser Birmingham City, I think Blades can exploit that. Um, but it does make Birmingham much more likely to score against them, I think, than maybe I would have thought 20 games uh, ago. By the way, as an aside, after this game, George... Sheffield United would have played 11 home games and 16 away games. Four. Then they've got six of the next eight at Bramall Lane. Something to be aware of, um, I think, for sure. So that's my goals pick. It's over 2.5 goals in Birmingham against Sheffield United. Uh, 2.15 my goals pick, and hopefully that'll make it an enjoyable viewing experience as well on Friday night. And remember, with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a £5 free bet. Also to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that. Check them out on the Betfair site. One more selection to come. It's the goal scorer. 
You'll have to Swindon against Exeter um, because I think Exeter are, are quite a big price to win this. Um, Swindon have had to deal with a fair few departures recently. Tyree Simpson has gone. Kane Kessler-Hayden has gone. They brought Louis Barry in who came on for his debut um, in midweek uh, as per your your tweet earlier. Um, Harry McCurdy has certainly stepped up as a, as a goal threat in terms of the shots that he's taking at the moment. But I, I kind of looked through the Exeter team um and looking through the kind of the shot stats and other bits um it's working out who kind of the biggest goal threat is you know timothy dieng is ranks top for shots and kind of xg but he's he is effectively a set piece threat and it's a small sample size i'm not necessarily sure that is the kind of the bit that is going to be repeatable. I think if anything, you know, the high XG numbers he's posted recently are probably will will re- regress to the mean eventually. Uh, Matt Jay is up there as an attacking midfielder, but he's priced as the most likely person to score in this game. I think that the most likely player to score is Giovanni Brown. Um, he goes through some pretty big dry patches fairly regularly. He's not the um, you know he's not the best finisher, let's say, but I think his position in the market at three to one to score any time, seemingly less likely than than a fair few players. Um, you know you've got Nombe's there who who is you know he can't play. I think he's injured still. Um, Padre Gamad's there at, at twenty three to ten, um, but I think Giovanni's the player who's playing you know through the middle who is getting a lot of shots off in games, uh, even if he's not particularly clinical um, in a game where you know Swindon. Swindon games normally yield goals anyway, and, and an extra side who I'm keen on to to get something out of this game. Uh, I think Giovanni at three to one is the is the value play um, in this one. Mate, I'm also yes. in Swindon against Exeter for my goal Uh-oh. scorer pick, and there's a way where we could just both be really happy here, uh, and it would be <laughs> a goal in uh, a game in which both teams score. Uh, Edinson Giovanni notch for Exeter to get you up there Oof. and box offices Harry McCurdy scoring for Swindon at 21 to 10 now McCurdy had a had a new year's resolution and it was just to take even more shots than he was already taking in games in his last six league games this calendar year McCurdy's had eight shots five shots seven shots four shots six shots <laughs> seven shots 37 shots in six games. There's over six a game on average. Uh, 12 of them on target. So about a third of his shots going on target. It's not It's not the most accurate shooting we've ever seen, but it underlines what we've been saying for a while. McCurdy is everywhere. McCurdy is inevitable. McCurdy is box office. You know, you cannot keep Harry McCurdy down. And I'm sure he's going to be pretty up for this one. It's a really important game um, for Swindon and for Exeter. Uh, they're kind of vying for for similar um, for similar real estate, I'd say, in League Two, and he loves big games. Also, Josh Davison, who they got in on loan from Charlton to replace the recalled Tyree Simpson, came off injured in midweek, hamstring. Good news for Exeter overall, you'd say. Bad news for Swindon, but possibly good news for a Harry McCurdy goal because there's one less person or one less out-and-out striker to sort of steal his shots. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's mainly stats-based. I've been... I sort of track, where possible, um, short-term shooting trends in terms of last five games, who's taking a lot of shots. I've got a way of doing it on Scout, which doesn't take me too long each week to go through. 
and McCurdy's genuinely like breaking the the model. I can't really call it a model. He's he's breaking the criteria. I've never seen this amount of shots this season in such a short period of time. So I'm backing McCurdy to score at twenty one to ten for Swindon against Exeter. George, why don't you tell me and the listener which bets you've chosen this weekend? Uh, Sheffield Wednesday and my nap to beat Burton away. Port Vale draw no bet away at Sol- Salford is my next best. Ipswich, my lay at home to Gillingham. Both teams to score Blackpool against Bristol City. And Giovanni Brown anytime at 3-1 to one is my goal scorer. Bolton, my nap, 5-4, to 2.25. Uh, and my next best, Northampton at 13-8, to 2.63 in decimal terms with the Betfair Sportsbook. Using the exchange, I've laid Southampton at 1.55 at home to Coventry. My goals pick is Birmingham Sheffield United over 2.5 goals at 23-20, to 2.15. And my goal scorer, Harry McCurdy, 21-10. to 10. Just over 2-1 to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. Really excited about this one. Let's see if we can go again after two good weeks. Please, guys, make sure that you tune in to Sky Football 6pm on Friday night for 21 under 21. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. We'll be chatting about it and some of the uh, backlash, if there is any, on the Monday pod. We look forward to talking to you then. Massive thank you to our sponsors, Betfair, for their huge support of the Not The Top 20 podcast, the betting show and the Monday pod. We're exceptionally grateful for their support. Join us on Monday, but before then, have a great weekend and go well.